This morning, most of you know that Susie and I have been blessed with three children, and so I'm going to ask you to use your imagination today. I'm going to ask you to uh, pretend with me as I talk about the kids. And as I talk about the kids, understand this right up front. This is not a message about children. Do not let this message or this illustration stump you and not get the rest of the message that's about to be preached. But as we use our imagination and as we do some pretending, so to speak, today, I want you to imagine that you are having a conversation with one of my children or maybe all of my children at the same time. As you're visiting with, your, with my children, assume for just a moment, imagine for just a moment that you asked them a few questions, and the first question was this. Do you feel as though you are growing up in a good home? Nathan, Hannah, Leah, as you live in the home of, of Kyle and Susie, do you feel like you are growing up in a good home? I'm going to assume some things this morning, and I'm going to uh, speculate on some things, but here's what I'm going to assume is this, is that my children would say to you, yes, we're growing up in a good home. So as you visit with them, as you hear that answer, as you get their response, assume for a moment, imagine for a moment, you said something like this. What is it about your parents and what they do that makes you think? you're growing up in a good home. Nathan, Hannah, Leah, if you say you're growing up in a good home, if you say that your parents, Kyle and Susie, are good parents, then, then explain to us what it is about your home life that would cause you to say to us today that you're growing up in a good home. Well, here's what I know. All three of them would cite different reasons for their, their mindset as to why they believe they're growing up in a good home. Leah may say something like this, and this is not what she said to me as pure speculation, but she may say something like this. Well, you know, my parents let me spend the night at my friend's house. And that's a lot of fun, and I, I like going to my friend's house. I, I like playing with my friends, and, and so I, I think I've been a good home because they let me spend time with my friends, or they let my friends come over, and, and we get to jump on the trampoline out in the backyard. We get to swim in the backyard during the summer, and, and they just let me buy some stacking cups. I mean, how could you not say you're living in a good home when you got a trampoline and a swimming pool and stacking cups and friends? So you might talk to Hannah and you may say, well, Hannah, what makes you feel like you're living in a good home? Well, I can promise you her answer would be different than Leah's. But she may say something like this. Well, Mom's teaching me to drive right now. And she's being real patient. You know, she's, she's been real good in the way that she's handled all this and and, and, you know, mom's just been real patient and she's been real good about, you know, staying calm and, and she's just teaching me to drive. And, and I'll tell you what's been really good is dad hasn't tried to teach me how to drive. <laughs> and dad would say, amen, because dad's not ready for that emotionally and mentally and spiritually and in any other manner. She may say something like this, you know, Dad and Mom, they let me work right now, and I get to make my own money, and they always take me to work. They always pick me up from work. And, you know, I just, I just feel like I'm in a good home. And, and you talk to Nathan, and he'd say something completely different than the girls. He might say something like this, you know, they helped me start my yard business, or Dad helped me, you know, get my first car, or, or Dad's taken me to some ball games, and we've done this, and we've done that. And, and collectively, they may say things like, well, they feed us, they clothe us, and all these other things. But, but, but I want us to notice 
notice a pattern here. I want us to, to notice something that all three kids would say, and my kids are no different than your kids if they were to say that they live in a good home, if they were growing up in a good home. As they talk to you and explain to you why they believed they were living in a good home, here's the common denominator or theme that you would see amongst their reasons for believing that. When that which is pleasurable takes place in their life, it is confirmation to them that they live in a good home. Just make sense? I, I live in a home where they feed me, where they clothe me, where they shelter me. They let me have friends over. They let me go to my friend's house. They, they let me jump on the trampoline. They're teaching me to drive. They help me get a little business started. They, they've done all these things for me. And so based upon those pleasurable experiences in their lives, they would say something like this. We feel like we're living in a pretty good home. We feel like life is pretty good. And such an attitude is appropriate, is it not? To look at all the things that are being done for them, to look at all the things that are, that are theirs that they don't deserve, yet they get to enjoy, I mean, that would be a right attitude, would it not? To look at all these pleasurable, positive experiences and, and, experiences and say, you know, based on those things, I've got it good. That in mind, this morning I want us to look in Psalm 119, verse 68. We know very well by now that the writer of this verse is not talking about his parents. He's talking about God. Notice what he says in verse number 68, the very first three words. He says, Thou art good. Thou art good. Now, if he's talking about God and we know that he is, then here's what we could say. We could say this, that the writer has just declared, God, you are good. God, you're good. What does it mean whenever the word good is used here? I think some of you would know this, many of you maybe, but maybe not all. The word good is kind of an interesting word. It is a rich word. It is a full word for such a small, short, commonly used, familiar word to us. There is so much about this word good that needs to be understood. See, in one aspect of the word good, it means this, to be gracious or to be kind or to be pleasant or to be excellent. And so it's almost as though we could say this and it be accurate that the writer is speaking of the character and the nature of who God is. And he says, God, by way of character and by way of nature, you are good. God, you are gracious. God, you are kind. Good. God, you are pleasant. God, you are excellent. I mean, God, you are a good God. And that is certainly a right statement and a right declaration to be made of God, is it not? God, thou art good. He says in verse number 68, past that, not only are you good, God, thou doest good. God, in, in nature and in character, who you are, you are gracious, you are kind, you are pleasant, and you are excellent. 
But God, what you do, what you perform, and what you execute, that too is good. What does that mean? Well, it would mean something like this, that which is pleasurable or that which is pleasing. God, what you do because you are gracious and kind and pleasant and excellent, because of who you are, God, what you then do is pleasurable or pleasing in the lives of your children. God, because you are good, what you then do, because of your nature, is by nature good, pleasing, and pleasurable. This morning, if we were to go to this writer and we were to say something like this, you've just made the declaration that God is good and what He does is good. What is it that He does in your life? What is it that He is doing in your life that would make you declare that God is good and what He does is good? Well, I don't know what He'd say. But He'd have His own reasons for it, would He not? There would be something in his heart, something in his life that would be motivating such, this, uh, such an idea, such a, a statement. There is something in his heart and mind that has confirmed in him to the point that he wants to exclaim and proclaim, God, you are good by nature, and therefore, because of your good nature, what you do is good. I don't know what it would be for him, but I know what it would be for me. God, you're good. And God, what you do and what you perform and what you execute, it is good. Kyle, why would you say God is good? God, or Kyle, why would you say that, that, that what God performs in your life is good? Why would you say that? You know what I'd point to? I just need to look at the wife that God provided me. Well, that's a manifestation of his goodness. But I know not every husband would say that of their wives. And, and, and I know that some may say, oh, you're just saying that because you're the preacher and you feel compelled to say such a thing. No, uh, you don't begin to know how much I recognize God's goodness in my life when he gave me Susie. He gave me what I needed whenever I wasn't smart enough to know what I needed. If I had gotten what I thought I wanted, I would have gotten a mess on my hands. Well, God is good. And one of the manifestations in my life of God's goodness is the relationship that I enjoy with Susie. I would say something like this, man, another manifestation of God's goodness in my life is the children he's blessed me with. To, to be able for, for Susie and I to, to be able to say something like this, there's Nathan, there's Hannah, there's Leah. Man, I'm so proud of them and what I hope is the right sense. I'm so grateful for them. I am so thankful for them. God has been so good to us with the children that he's given us. And, and somebody would say, yeah, you were just blessed with three good kids. Hold on, they're not perfect kids. But God's blessed us with some good kids, and I'm thankful for it. Well, I could look to memories that the family has made together over the last 20 years and, and say, man, God is good. I could look at the 
health we enjoy as a family and say, man, God is good. Got a little bit of money in the bank right now, nothing that would impress most people, but at least I'm not broke today. Could be tomorrow with the amount I've got in the bank right now, but I'm just saying, at this minute, I'm not broke yet. It's a good feeling, and it's because of the goodness of God. And here's what I know. If I asked you this morning to stand and to say, what is it about God that makes you declare He is good? And, and what is it about God that, that He's done for you that you would say that what He does is good? If I were to give you such an opportunity, you know what I believe? I believe many of you would stand and you would begin to say, because of this and because of this and because of this and because of this, God is good. And you know what you would see by way of a recurring theme amongst our testimonies? We believe God is good because of the times in our lives where He has blessed us with experiences that are pleasing and pleasurable to us. And rightfully so. If my children enjoyed everything that they enjoy, if they have taken advantage of everything they have taken advantage of, and said, that's no sign of their goodness. Well, I'd want to slap them. So for you and I to stand and point to those moments in our lives that, that show the goodness of God in pleasing and pleasurable ways, for us to use that as a testimony for God's goodness and what He does in our lives as being good, for us to use those as testimonies, it is right and it is appropriate to do so. That in mind, go back to verse number 68 and notice what the writer declares. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. Teach me thy statutes. What is the statutes a reference to? It's a reference to the Word of God, is it not? It would be a reference to the precepts of God. It would be a, you know, a reference to the principles of God. I mean, it's the Word of God, however you'd like to define it today. And here's what he says. He says, God, you're good, and God, what you do is good. God, you are, you're gracious, and you're kind, and you're pleasant, and you're excellent, and, and what you do in my life, it is both, both pleasurable and pleasing. And so, God, because of that, here's what I ask of you. Teach me, Lord. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your word. Here's what the picture would look like if you were to look at my family. It would be like the children saying, Dad, Mom, y'all are pretty good. Y'all are pretty gracious. You're pretty kind. You're, you're pretty pleasant to be around. I mean, y'all are excellent. You know, Dad and Mom, we don't have a lot of gripes and a lot of complaints. And you all do quite a bit of things around here for us that we like. And so because of that, Dad and Mom, here's what we're asking you. Tell us what you want from us. Tell us what you expect of us. 
Tell us what you require of us. Can you imagine if a child came to their parent and uttered such words? Dad and Mom, you're so good to us. And Dad and Mom, you provided so many things for us. Dad and Mom, you've given us a better way of life than we could have ever provided for ourselves. Dad and Mom, you, you have spoiled us with so many things. Dad and Mom, we just want to know what you expect of us and require of us and, and want from us. Most parents wouldn't know what to do with that kind of a, an attitude, would we? But that's the attitude of the writer. God, you're good. And what you do is good. And because of that, Lord, I'm asking you to teach me your word. Why is that important? Why should that grab our attention? It's important and it should grab our attention for this reason. Many times, the more blessed the children of God become, the more spoiled the children of God become. And as God pours out His goodness and His kindness and His favor and His grace on the child of God, you know what that does so many times? It it, it spoils the children of God to the point that they now have this attitude that they're somehow entitled to the goodness of God, and they are no longer responsible or obligated to know what the Word of God says by way of expectations, by way of desires, by way of requirements, and they feel this sense of entitlement that I can live however I want to live. And that has never been the intent of God's goodness being bestowed upon His children. You look at our society, you look at our culture, you look amongst those people who identify themselves as Christians, and I'm telling you, there are so many people who live outside of the parameters of God's Word, and yet so many times what has prompted that and promoted that in their spiritual life is God has been so good to them that they no longer feel the compulsion to know what God's Word says and to rightfully apply it to their lives. So the better God is to them, the further away from God they tend to stray. Because they take God's goodness for granted, assuming it will always be there, And if it's not, they'll get upset and bent out of shape. So the statement in the verse in and of itself right now is pretty powerful. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. But I want to go back to the illustration for just a couple of moments. Bear with me while I do so, please. Imagine that today you're talking to my children. You're visiting with them. But the year is no longer what it is. We're not living in 2016. Suppose for a moment we're 15 years down the road. That would put Nathan in his 30s. That would put Hannah in her 30s and Leah in her late 20s. A lot of time has passed. A lot of water has gone under the bridge. 
And suppose you said to my kids in 15 years, did you grow up in a good home? Tell me, what, what was it like growing up in the home of Jim? Uh, of, sorry, I was thinking about my parents. Tell me what it was like to, to grow up in the home of Kyle and Susie. I don't know what they'll say in 15 years. But you know what I hope they'll say? I hope they'll say, I grew up good. I had good parents. I had parents that were kind and gracious and loving and pleasing and uh, I, yeah, I grew up in a good home. I, I hope that's what they say. So suppose you followed up that question with this question. So what was it about your home life that you think was so good? I mean, well, if you're going to sit here and tell me in your 30s and in your late 20s that, you know, that life was so good in, in your parents' home, what made it so good? Well, I don't mind if they say, you know what, whenever we were young, they bought a pool and they put it up there, and we had a lot of fun in that pool. You know, for a while we had a boat, and I don't remember much about it, but I know we went to the lake, you know, several times, and we enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. You know, it was good. And, and you know, Dad and Mom, they took us on vacations, and Dad and Mom, they did this. And, yeah, I remember Dad teaching me to drive. I remember Mom teaching me to drive. Yeah, I mean, that, that was good. But, you know, after they say all that, you know what I want them to say? I want him to say something like this. Dad and Mom were good. And they gave us a good home life. Not because everything they provided for us was pleasing and pleasurable at the time, but it was what we needed at the time. So what exactly do you mean by that? Well, I mean something like this. I hope at some point they'd say something to this effect. You know, I grew up in a good home because whenever we got out of line, Dad and Mom were quick to say, hey, get back in line. Dad and Mom didn't let us be lazy at school. Dad and Mom didn't let us be lazy around the house. And Dad and Mom, you know... Dad didn't let us talk back to mom. And, and there were times that dad and mom both said, no, you're not going to spend time with that kid, and that kid's not coming over to our house. There were times that, that, you know, just to be honest with you, there were times we didn't want to go to church because our friends didn't have to go to church, and our, you know, our, our friends were allowed to make those decisions for themselves. And, and, and I've got to be honest and tell you, we didn't enjoy going to church maybe every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every holiday when other people were skipping. You know, Dad and Mom were dragging us to church and expecting us to be there. But, you know, I, I didn't always like it that, you know, at that stage of life. But, you know, now that I'm older... And more mature, even the things they required of me and did to us that we didn't like, we now see the wisdom of it. And we now see the benefit of it. And some of the things that I once begrudged, I am now most thankful for. Well, that's what I hope could be said in 15, 
20 years. And if the kids say that, you know what that will imply? It will imply some maturity on their part. To understand that even the things they didn't like at the time were the very things they needed most for their future development and their future growth. Now, I want to say this again, okay? This is not a message about child rearing, so do not get lost in the child rearing aspect of this. Don't start thinking about your childhood and don't start thinking about your kids. This is not what it's about. That is simply an illustration to try to point our thoughts to who God is. Get your kids off your mind right now. We're talking about our relationship with God, our Father. God, you are good. You're pleasant. You're kind. You're agreeable. And Lord, what you do is good. It's pleasing. And again, it's pleasurable. But it's interesting what also is involved in the definition of the word good. It means this, Lord, you're right. God, you're right. God, you're good because you're right. And God, what you do, it's good because it's right. God, what you execute and God, what you perform in my life, it's good. Not necessarily because it is pleasing to me right now. Not necessarily because it is bringing pleasure to me right now. But God, you are good and God, you do good. Because God, everything you do is always, not usually, not most of the time, not often, God, what you do is always Right. Even when it's not pleasing to me. God, you're good. And God, what you do is good. Because God, you're always right even when I'm not mature enough to see it sometimes. Can you chew on that for just a minute? Can you process that for just a moment? Lord, I'm not always very mature. And whenever I think of your goodness, here's what I think of. 
Oh, the money in the bank. Oh, the vacation my family just went on. Oh, Lord, the, the wife that you gave me, the health that you gave me, the, the kids that you blessed me with. Oh, Lord, that, that was good. And oh, yeah, you're good. Oh, that happened. That's not too pleasing and that's not too pleasurable. Well, I don't know whether or not you're still good. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. He's good because God is always right. He's good because He's always right. I know that this is somewhat redundant for some of you, but but it was just one of those things that came to mind, and, and it, it was actually said before the message was prepared. But but I was telling Susie this week, I am so thankful. I am so thankful that we had the chance to raise our kids in a small town, because it has eliminated so many of the distractions that parents in the larger cities and in the larger areas have to deal with. I know we've got our issues. I know that there are problems in town. I get it. But I am smart enough and I am intelligent enough to know this, that because of the small town atmosphere that we have here, a lot of troubles and a lot of challenges have been avoided because of that. And, and I said to Susie this week, I'm thankful that God allowed it. But if you had asked me 15 years ago, are you glad to be here? You know what my answer would have been. Of course I'm not glad to be here. I'm big city material. That's where I'm from and that's what I'm used to and that's what I'm comfortable with. But, but see, here's what I've, I've learned over the last 15 years. Because of a little bit of maturity, wow. God was good to me 15 years ago whenever I wasn't smart enough to see it. Because God was right even when I thought He was wrong. This morning I want to ask you something. If I were to stand today and say to you, I want you to give testimony of God's goodness in your life. I, I want you to tell me of instances and times and moments in your life where God has proven to be good to you. You know what most of us wouldn't say? Most of us wouldn't say, you know, that, that year that I lost my job, man, God was so good to me when we lost our job and, and, and you know, we were without and we had no money and we were living on unemployment. And, and I'm telling you, it, it wasn't fun then. That wouldn't be our immediate testimony. But you know what? With a little bit of maturity and a little bit of understanding, you know what you'd say? And that was one of the best things that God did for us because God showed us His faithfulness and God showed us His ability to provide. And, you know, God taught us a lot of lessons during those weeks and during those months. Isn't it amazing that the Scripture is true? And really it's not amazing, yet we are amazed at it. God is good because God is always right. You probably wouldn't stand and say, you know, when we've been battling with this health issue and it's been an ongoing issue, boy, God, God just blessed us so much whenever He gave us that health issue. That's not how we think. But with a little bit of maturity and a little bit of understanding, what should we be able to declare? God knew exactly what He was doing. Because it's, it's been in those times that we've been drawn to the Lord. 
It's been in those times that we've seen the faithfulness of God. We don't point to adversity. We don't look to trials in life and say, Oh, isn't God good? No, we don't do it when it's happening. But years down the road, if we've got some maturity about us, we say God is good. And what He does is good. Because God is right. Now consider the last part of the statement once more. Teach me thy statutes. God, you're good. You're gracious, you're kind, you're pleasant, you're excellent. And God, what you do is good. It is pleasurable and it is pleasing. But God, you are also good. And what you do is always good. Because God, you are always right. And because of that, Lord, I'm asking you to teach me your word. Why is that powerful? Why does that deserve our attention? Because so many children of God are immature after so many years of being children of God. And here's what happens. Rather than the adversity... Rather than the unfulfilled dreams, rather than the health issues, rather than the financial issues, bringing them to God, the adversity drives a wedge between them and God. They're bitter toward God. They're angry with God. Because, God, I thought if you were going to be good to me, it would always be pleasing and it would always be pleasurable. No, sometimes in doing what is good for you, I will have to do some things for you that you don't necessarily enjoy at the time. And yet there are many, many people who are bitter toward God and they are far from God in their spiritual lives because they fail to recognize that God is always right, therefore it is always good whatever happens in the long run. This morning, I want to ask you a question, and please know I am not trying to prompt an amen out of anyone because this takes some serious consideration if we're going to answer this. Do you and I believe God is good? Amen, yeah, amen, God is good. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do we believe God is good? Do we believe that what God does is good? Even when we don't like it? When our flesh is screaming against it? When it's putting us in the vice of life, so to speak? When the heat's been turned up and, and, and I'm telling you, it's tough right now and, and it's not easy right now. Do we really believe that God is good? We can only believe that God is good in the midst of the affliction and in the midst of the hard times if we truly believe 
that in his goodness, God is always right. And if we don't believe that God is always right, then we don't really believe that God is always good. Do we believe that God is always right? Because that's the only way we can believe that God is always good. And the bottom line is this. Whether it be pleasurable, whether it be pleasing, or whether it be difficult, and whether it be taxing, here is what our desire should be. God, teach me your word. In the midst of prosperity, in the midst of blessing, God, I don't want to get spoiled and go away from you. God, in the midst of your goodness and in pleasing and pleasurable ways, God, I am asking you to draw me to your word and to teach me what I need to be taught. But at the same time, God, though this is tough and though this is difficult, I know you're right. I know you're right. So therefore, what's happening is good. And God, I'm asking you in this season of life, Please don't let me get bitter. Please don't let me get angry. Please don't let me get bent out of shape. God, draw me to your word because I need it. We need it. So I'll stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. It is such a cliche for your people to say God is good. It is such a cliche for us to say God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Because truth be told, many times we don't believe.